What's going on? What is that look? What look? Nothing. Something's going on here. I don't know if you should sit for this or not. <laughs> Sitting is good if you faint, but standing is good for jumping up and down. I can't decide. Jumping up and down? What are you talking about? Come on, cough it up. Oh, Lane, you know the way I am. Rarely ever thinking of myself. <laughs> My only concern is the welfare and happiness of those close to me. Sure, it hurts sometimes to give and give and give. Would you please? What would you say if I told you that Told me what? I got you an apartment in this building. No. Yes. No. Yes. You didn't. I did. You got me an apartment in the building? I got you an apartment in the building. How did you... You remember Mrs. Hud Walker, the 94-year-old woman who lived above me? No. She died? She died? She died. She died. <laughs> and the rent is only $400 a month. Get out. Welcome to Talking Seinfeld, the podcast where we discuss everything we know about the show about nothing. It's the first Talking Seinfeld of 2021. We're here to discuss The Apartment. I am Dando. I am Guy. Nice to be here in 2021 talking uh, talking something about the show about nothing, as Dando says. I enjoyed this episode a whole lot, Dando. What did you think of it, man? Oh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I think this is where we first start to see the real Jerry, you know, because he... He likes to tell himself that he's a good person, but really deep down, he's all about Jerry. And I think that's why we relate to him, because deep down, we're all about ourselves, are we not? Very much so, yes. I mean, look, um, I think we... Um, I think the bulk of us try very hard to sort of, you know, think about other people and do the right thing by uh, those around us and all that kind of stuff. But I think, yeah, deep down, I'm kind of like, well... Yeah, this bit of work for me too, did hadn't it? Yeah. So I mean, I do like that he spends a lot of um a lot of this episode sort of justifying his selfishness or being kind of self-deprecating or not even self-deprecating, but uh, yeah, just being quite honest with himself like, oh, "I'm terrible." <laughs> you know, calling himself a phony and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, pretty much, well, not everyone around him is doing that, but I mean, I think that's probably why he's friends with George. Yes, true, yeah. I think George wears that more obviously on his sleeve. George is more honest about it with himself and also just sort of more naturally a bit of a uh, a bit of a schmuck. <laughs> well, so George is willing to accept that he's a schmuck, like you said, but Jerry still still coming to terms with the fact that, oh, wait a minute, I'm more like George than I realized. But That's a good as, point, as, yeah. as, as uh, the last couple of weeks, I've had off work for, for Christmas and whatnot, I took some more extra annual leave and I finally got Nicola into sci-fi and she was smashing it out, much like season like five, six at the moment. And it's funny because you, you said they're justifying his shit behavior. That's pretty much what Seinfeld becomes, just them being shit people but figuring out ways to justify it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not not truly terrible people, just sort of just everyday acts of selfishness or callousness or whatever. Selfish I mean, people is the right word, selfish, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, but in, I think in ways that uh, a lot of people that can relate to, in all honesty. I mean, whether you want to admit it to yourself or not. Uh, this was actually the first episode written by a freelancer. Um, Peter Melman, who worked on the show all the way up to the last season, and many people I've read here have credited his departure from the show just as important or just as negative, like had a negative impact on the series as when Larry David left. 
Um, so he left like halfway through season nine to go work for Spielberg at DreamWorks, which is, you know, you're not going to turn down Spielberg, are you? Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd say that's a kick upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> all due respect to the uh, the team at Seinfeld, all of whom are very talented people, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, when Spielberg calls, you pick up. <laughs> He basically wasn't even a sitcom writer. He wasn't even a comedy writer at all. He just wrote some articles for the New York Post. They liked his work, Larry David and Seinfeld, and then they just gave him a gig. And the way Seinfeld worked was they, you know, you had to come up with the idea, you write the episode, you pretty much had to fully flesh it out yourself, and then Seinfeld and David would do the final tweaks to it, put their little spin on it. Um, but yeah, this was this was the first one that he wrote. He wrote many episodes. He he came up with like the yada, yada, yada. He came up with the, the implants. That they're real and they're spectacular. He sounds like he's fairly pivotal to uh, to what we consider Seinfeld. Yeah, hundred percent. But um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that this was the first time, the first one that was a freelancer because it would be hard if you're just saying Seinfeld and Larry David's shoes. You've just created this new baby. It hasn't quite become a huge success yet, but you know you you believe that it's got it, and then having to sort of like handball off the role of writer to somebody else, it's like I don't know if I could do it this early in the run. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you find that uh, yeah, you get a lot of showrunners and who uh, you know, tend to be very possessive of um, mm. of their baby. I mean, from what I understand uh, on on Mad Men, for instance, I mean that had a, a slew of good writers in its room, but I, I understand that Matthew Weiner, who was the, the creator of the show, sort of had veto over over final scripts and would go over each script uh, before it went to uh, before it was shot and sort of do rewrites or uh, add bits and pieces but you know he I think he was very kind of uh, as I said yeah possessive about uh, what went out there because it's a show with his name on it just as Seinfeld has got Seinfeld's name on it so yeah I mean you would be kind of cautious about uh, well you're a dad handing your baby over to strangers yeah I mean it's funny even when you know I know that my friends aren't going to hurt Holly but Holly's only still what she's just 11 weeks old yesterday even when they're holding Holly now I'm like don't you hurt my baby? <laughs> you just have this fear. But um, but yes, it was a very, very enjoyable episode. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I just think it was very relatable. I mean, it wasn't a very outlandish concept. It was just a friend moving too close. A friend or a relative moving too close sounds horrifying. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, look, distance is, is necessary, whether you're moving in with someone or just having some, someone close to you. What's that? There's, that uh, there's a meme that's going around. It's like two pictures. Um, one of them is labelled, oh... The joy of being loved, and the next one is like uh, the the horror of being known or something. I haven't know. seen that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and look, I think there's a fair bit of truth to that. I mean, without sort of <laughs> wanting to delve too deep into, I'm I'm someone who likes their own space. And you know, when I met the lovely Louise, I said to her, "I don't want you to think this is about you if I say I need some time to myself or anything like that." But I'm someone who likes their own space and their own company. I also like you very much, but if I'm not sort of coming over every second of the day or that kind of thing, I don't want you to think it's anything against you. It's just the way that I sort of operate. And she said, yeah, no, I get that. And, you know, I think there are a lot of people like that. That's funny. That's why that's the, one of the differences Nicola and I have. You know, when it's my holidays from work, I obviously got the kids now, so it's different. But before kids, I would literally just like to just relax and watch a few movies, just linger around the house for a couple of days where Nicola's like, all right, we've got this set amount of time off work. How many friends and how many visits can we cram in at this time? And I'm like, Nicola, Nicola, slow down. <laughs> uh, the correct answer is none. Yes. <laughs> that is a good one, Stu. Yeah. One of my favorites. So what was your favorite moment from the apartment, Mr. Davis? Oh, golly, look, there's a few here. I, I was actually very um, 
very taken with the relationship between Harold and Manny, the building supervisors or the building I'm landlords. I'm surprised or they weren't back more often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, those two actors are, are fairly recognisable. It's a, mm. a guy named Glenn Shaddix, who you know. Um, I think people would recognise probably from Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice mostly, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and for the life of me, I, I think it's Tony Plana or Plana uh, who who plays Manny. I think I think that's his name. God, we better double check that. But yeah, I just like I just like the dynamic. They kind of I I don't know if they're coded as as like a couple, like a gay couple or anything like that. But they certainly have that um, give off that vibe of a a couple whose bickering keeps them together. Yes, the way Harold sort of like tries to defuse the situation is always hilarious. Even Jerry, boys, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, any time they were on, I thought I thought that was great. I don't think they they're not recurring, are they? Is this the only time we see them? Do you think? Or, well, I've been smashing it out. They may return once or twice. I'm not too sure, but I I can't recall seeing. So when I say we've been smashing it out. It's been on and then, you know, life happens, i.e. kids and kids are running around, but we just leave it on. So it's just, we've been smashing through it, watching as much as we can as whilst it's on, but I don't recall seeing them since. But it's a shame because like you said, the dynamic was definitely there, the, um, the, the chemistry. Yeah, absolutely. What did you enjoy about this one? Well, I, I loved the, the iconic moment towards the end when it's, I am Costanza. Lord of the Idiots. But then where it's followed up by, you're all winners. And we have a new contender. <laughs> See, I, I do, yeah, that's something I like about the whole the Seinfeld mentality. It's like, yeah, these are people who will be down on themselves and usually with good reason, but there's always someone who's more of a dork or more of a yes. dick. Well, we've discussed time and time again on the podcast where a good chunk of Seinfeld and why it's so relatable is that they just go to parties and... Talk about people. Just like, rag, on, rag on the other guests. Just, just judge them, yes. <laughs> Could you spell that, please? No. Next question. Trivia for the apartment, Mr. Davis. Would you like to kick off or shall I? I shall go first if you like. You go for it. Take it away. All right, then. Um, oh, God. Now, I've forgotten the name of the, uh, of the old lady who lived upstairs who died in her apartment. That is, that is, that is my first question. <laughs> <laughs> what, her name? Yeah, her name. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, I'm already down one point. But you could be up one point if you tell me how old she was when she died. 94. 94? Oh, 94? You, you were right the first time. So, <laughs> so let's forget you said that other one. 94 yes. years old. I was going to say Mrs. Hunsecker, but I don't think that's right. Hud Walker. Hud Walker. Okay, then. Close enough. Mm. You have half a point. But yeah, 94, it's a good innings. It is indeed. But um, as I say, she didn't have a wig on when she died. Horrifying. How <laughs> <laughs> great was the delivery? Indeed. This is the thing, though. I feel like it's a, it'd be a very. I was just thinking then, if you get to like 94, you'd almost be somewhat disappointed if you don't make it to 100. You're like, I've come this far. I just want to get to 100. And I just sort of come into my head like, that would be a very George line, wouldn't it? If I'm at 94, like, I'm not satisfied with that. If I'm that close to 100, I've got to reach 100. I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> yeah, that's the... If you're in your... Yeah, I imagine I'm not a cricketer, but it would be like being in the... Uh being in the slips or whatever, or you know, being up at up at the wicket. Oh God! Clearly, I don't play cricket or haven't played for a while. But you know, imagine going out at like ninety six. It's like, oh man! I've seen people go out at ninety nine. That'd be just horrifying. Oh yeah, God! You'd be just charging back to the you know back to the bench. It's like when you, it's like when you're almost there and then the baby monitor goes off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my first question. Well, my first question was the name. Second question is: What is the rent for Elaine? It's four hundred dollars a month, which that is made, so cheap. Made me write down in capital letters: Whoa! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Considering it's <laughs> that, in the that's um, a, that's a hundred dollars a week in New York City. 
What? Oh, 100, 100 US. So it's like 130 bucks. That's craziness. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's it's insane. Wonderful. If, so, if, so, if someone said to you right now, I've got an apartment in New York for 400 US dollars a month rent, would you move? Mm. Uh, <laughs> we're recording this on... Uh, listeners, it's the it's about ten thirty a.m. Thursday, the seventh of January. You may well be aware what's happening in the United States at the moment, um, with armed protesters taking over the Capitol building in Washington D.C. So no, I would probably not move to New York City <laughs> or anywhere in America. All due respect to our American friends, because I'm pretty sure this is all going to blow over one way or another. Um, so, no, I think I'll stick around in uh, peaceful Hearn Hill Geelong for the time <laughs> being, even if it is really just delightful, uh, cheap rent in uh, in one of the finest cities of the world. So what's your next question? My next question. What is the woman in uh, Monk's uh, Cafe? Monk's Deli? Monk's, Monk's Cafe, yeah. Yeah. What, what is she feeding her child? Uh, it's nah. disgusting. Starts with, starts with C, doesn't it? It does indeed. It's, it's not custard or curd. Mm, it is neither of those. It is uh, on the opposite end of the um, taste spectrum. What is it? It's corned beef hash. Corned beef hash, that's right. Ooh, that sounds, sounds gross. It does. It sounds like you couldn't sell the corned beef you'd made the day before for like sandwiches or anything else. And do you ever see that? Um, you know the movie The Big Short? Yes. Yeah, you know that bit with Anthony Bourdain, the late grey Anthony Bourdain, mm-hmm. where he's talking about, um, he's explaining some economic theory or whatever, but he's doing it using a, a chef analogy, he's using fish. So like, hey, you know, we we got all this uh, this great fish, but, you know, we didn't sell all of it. So what, am I going to throw out this great halibut and take the loss? No, I'm not. I'm going to chop it up and put it in a stew and therefore I can, I can, I can uh, stretch it out for a couple of days. It's like, oh, Bourdain, you knew what time it was. Good on you. <laughs> <laughs> Nicola's like that with um with the vegetables that Elliot doesn't eat, so she just makes like this giant like veggie patty out of it. But it's called like bubble and squeak or something. Oh, bubble and squeak's a very uh, a, I believe it's a very UK dish. Yeah, yeah. So she she's always making that because it's just Elliot's leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the. I mean, I've got um look as I said, what we're about a week into the new year. Aren't we? Yeah, we're exactly one week into the new year. I've still yeah. got some Christmas ham. We got this delight. We we had a really nice ham on Christmas this year. It was fantastic. And, of course, everyone got their slices and all that. And I was a bit late getting mine, but Mum said, no, no, we've kept you a nice big chunk of it. Got to love Mum, don't you? Oh, Mum did right by me. But I haven't quite finished it, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I think this has started to dry out and probably get a bit sort of crinkly at the edges. I'm afraid I might – I don't think I'm going to get any more any more out of this, and I don't really feel like turning it into ham hash or chopping it up and making fried rice. I think I might just have to peg it. I feel bad about that. But uh, what, about, what about the cat? The cat can enjoy it. Oh. Uh, yeah, maybe. All right, I might chop it up and, yeah, Basie could uh, take a whirl out of it. Although, yeah, Basie's a little finicky. He'd probably stick his nose up at it and go, what the hell, man? Come on, I thought we were, I thought we were bros. <laughs> it's crusty on the outside. What's happening here? <laughs> Nothing but the best for the Basie. All right, uh, next question from you to me. Well, I've got the answer here and I didn't write the question. I'm just trying in my head to work out <laughs> what the question would have been. Oh, God, it's like Tenet. Okay, try and work backwards. Okay, okay, so let's, let's, let's play a game here. So this is my final question. Oh, right. we're going to do Jeopardy. My <laughs> answer must be in the form of a question. $75. What could it be? I don't know. This is a mystery. I have to figure this out now. <laughs> do you think it's actually related to the episode or have you just sort of written down like, oh, uh, this, pe- this um, 
I just want to pay seventy five dollars for the the foam bill. <laughs> yeah, or the or the foam on the uh, on on the new studio walls. I know. Here's another one. I got another answer. Entomologist. Uh that is what uh, George's uh, fictitious or fictional wife does. There you go. I thought I'd just give you that. That's a, we've got one done. Seventy five dollars out. Fucking mystery. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, <laughs> we may have to do like a little sort of adjunct uh, thing at the very end. It's like, by the way, listeners, the seventy five dollars was this. <laughs> no, what will happen is we'll probably run through the episode and it will suddenly come to us. <laughs> what's your final question? Or have you have you asked them all? Uh, no, no, I've got one for you. Um, hit me, hit me. George has a married friend in another city. He refers to him as the Cube. Now, possible two points here for you. What is his name and which city is he from? I have no idea. When was he discussing this? This was in Monks when he was, um, yeah, talking. Oh, when the, whole, the, guy the whole wedding with the, ring. With the ring. The whole wedding ring thing. I was writing notes at that point. No, what was it? His name is Adam and he's from Detroit. From Detroit. Well yes. played, sir. You got me this week. Oh, oh I, think, I think we've come out even on that point. <laughs> if you're a fan of everything we do here at Talking Seinfeld and want to show some support, you can do so by joining the Talking Seinfeld family on Patreon, where for as little as $1 per month, you can get access to a whole range of exclusive content, including bonus podcasts, access to our exclusive Facebook community, prize draws, Zoom calls with Guy and myself, as well as early access to all the other shows we host here on the Four Finger Discount Network, including this, the one about friends, going down to South Park, Four Finger Discount, the movie guys, oh, and let's not forget our Patreon-exclusive series, Tales of Futurama. So go ahead and join the Talking Seinfeld family today at patreon.com slash discount. Let's get into our review of The Apartment. Originally aired April 4th, 1991. Kicks off with a stand-up routine, as always talking about how he's been painting his walls and it bothers him because he knows it makes the room smaller. But then he just it leads into a uh, the ultimate male fantasy is Star Trek because Star Trek is basically just, in, on the Enterprise, a flying living room. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big chair and a big screen. I, I, I like the Star Trek bit a lot and I like the bit about the... Um, Klingon uh, boxing? No, the no the plug outlet that looked like a pig. Yes, <laughs> I mean I'm always I'm not always a huge fan of um, Jerry's sort of stand up bits throughout the episode. I mean, yeah, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But I like this one very much. I thought it was I thought it was very funny, very amusing. Well, it sort of reminded me. It was almost a bit nostalgic because the whole going around to someone's house to watch a big event just doesn't seem to happen anymore. Because it used to be you'd have to pay for it, like pay TV, like a on Foxtel yeah. main event used to be called here in Australia, and you'd all chip in and go to one person's house and watch it. But now you can just illegally stream it or you can just download it and watch it at some other point. The whole, yeah. the whole going to someone's house to watch a big event just doesn't seem to happen. I guess the closest thing now in Australia, at least, would maybe watching the footy. You go to a mate's place to watch the footy, but big pay-per-view events just doesn't seem to happen anymore. No. I think last year, you know, when, when we first sort of had some COVID lockdowns, a group of friends and I decided to get together on a Zoom call, have a few drinks and... I think we were going to watch the last, not the last time the Cats were in the grand final, because that was last year, but uh, it was prior to that. But it was like one of the ones that the Cats won, one of the, the Geelong Football Club won. So it was either, it might have been 07 or or maybe 09. Did we win in 09? We thought, oh, look, if we're going to get together and enjoy a sporting event. You probably watched the one with your old man, would you have not? Given the cup. That was 09, yeah? That was 09, yes. Yeah, that's correct. So, um, that was, yeah, that was that one. But... Um, I think we'd all sort of signed up to that KO thing, the, the, the sporting streaming service. Yeah, yep. But some of us are having glitches, including me. Um, none of us could sort of start at the right time. So we were like, you know, someone would go, yeah, it's like, 
What? Oh, someone kicked a goal? Okay. So I think after about a quarter, we're just like, yeah, fuck this. And just, uh, just had drinks instead. So the episode kicks off with Kramer. He's got a new hairstyle, very similar to when Jerry gets his new haircut in a few seasons mm. from now. Um, just because he's been using mousse. So it's all sort of... It, 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 he looks so different, doesn't he, with his hair down? He does, yeah. It's. I mean, Michael Richards has got... What you might call very strong features. Um, very much so, yeah. Yeah, and um, without but you the can't hair, look away. yeah, without the Kramer here to sort of distract from those, it's like, hmm, you've got quite the interesting profile there, uh, Kramer. So yeah, I, I kind of sided with Jerry when oh when he's like, what did you do? You, you've still got all your hair, Dando. I mean, are you a moose not, not, guy? Not or all a- of it. Not all of it. I'm starting <laughs> to recede a little bit. No, I don't. I don't. I've put product to my hair since I was a teenager. Not once. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was. Very occasionally a moose guy, but this is back when I had my lovely flowing locks. I mean, because I had very, I had quite wavy hair and it could get a bit unruly at times. I mean, now I think back and go, oh God, it was, it was so gorgeous. I was so beautiful. But I, I tended to sort of try and tame it with a bit of gel. Okay. It's like, oh God, I can't believe how much sort of, how much of that shit I went through trying to keep my hair looking relatively, um, <laughs> relatively tame. So uh, <laughs> you, you, you had fairly long hair, right? Oh, at some stage, yeah. I mean, um, I think I went through that. Eh, I don't know if it's a phase that every sort of teenager goes through. I mean, I was fairly straight laced, but I remember it like the end of like sixth form, maybe uh, end of year twelve. I was like, you know what? I think I might start growing my hair a bit. You know what? Yeah, to hell with it, man. Fuck the fight the power. Um, uh, so, I mean, it wasn't long when I left, but it was a bit more sort of unruly than normal. I was not short back and sides, but I tended to sort of keep it keep it tidy. And for my first year or so at uni, I'd say it was d- probably down to my shoulders. So Really? Wow, we. <laughs> and, but after a while, I was just like, eh, this, this is too much maintenance. <laughs> so in the end, I just went back to... Uh, regular haircuts and then it all started to just say okay we're out of here <laughs> this is the uh... yeah <laughs> we're getting out of this sinking ship so um yes um but i was there oh i remember you yeah, trying moose once or twice like, this hasn't got the hold i need gel gels where it's at baby well i used to have the when i was a lot younger i used to have the fringe you know, the fringe sticking up that was a, the fashion for a while for oh yeah young, uh, young kids so i'd have like the, it was short all over and the fringe up at the front and that used to put the really hard stuff in. Gel's the one that makes it go harder, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Or oh, there was this other thing. Well, I don't know if the brand name was Mud, but... Oh, um, yes. Yeah, it's almost like a bloody baby cream for the bum. It was like thick. Yeah, yeah. or fudge. Fudge. That's what it was called. Yeah. I mean, uh, and it had, yeah, like a sort of a Play-Doh-y, yeah, fudgy mm. kind of consistency. And, uh, yeah, if you really wanted to sort of, <laughs> yeah. Make shapes with your hair. That was the shit you used. I think I used to also use brittle cream at some stage because yeah, I mean this. Okay. Well, we're talking way back. I mean, like in the in the eighties, and that's when there was a bit of a sort of a fifties resurgence in some ways, sort of like a pre Mad Men kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, plus it was it was also the Gordon Gecko era where you know you slicked your hair back and all that shit. And I remember using brittle cream at some stage as well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, that was that was completely old school. Oh dear, enough. Let's move on. I don't want to sort of think about my. I've talked about my hair way too much. Yeah. So Elaine um, has says that she's got a friend who ha- owns an apartment that has a good view of the New York Marathon. I feel like uh, I know I've said this before. It's always a very similar plot device, and it doesn't change as the show goes on. It's always like, hey, my friend's doing something, or hey, I've got to go somewhere. Can you come with me? 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's all, it's always a, it's a similar. I need a tag along. Yeah. That's the, the way of getting everyone in the same room. Yeah, and also a way of uh, getting people out of the usual sets as well, out of the out of Jerry's apartment on that kind of thing. That's one thing Nicola noticed as well was because you know we've watched other classic sitcoms like uh, Raymond and Cheers and all that, and she goes, "It's it's crazy how many different." sets Seinfeld had you know and they might even go there might only go there for like 10 seconds for one scene but it's oh. it's so different it must have just been insane for the for the, the set department to try and set everything up all the time <laughs> no I'm not going up there how old man I'm not going oh, boys boys how Jerry I slid the rent under your door Harold did you get it yeah yeah Hey, Jerry, would you like anything from Miss Hud Walker's apartment? Tu eres bobo. Esas cosas no son tuyas. I was only joking. He thinks I'm going to give you Miss Hud Walker's things. Se las ofreciste. We have to go up there now and clean the apartment. It's a good thing her rent was overdue. She'd be rotting up there for a month. She died? Mrs. Hud Walker died? 94 years old. I found her yesterday. She didn't have a wig on. What's the matter with you? I'm talking. So, Jerry, you know anybody who needs an apartment? Are you kidding? You know my friend Elaine? Oh, yeah, I like her. She always says hello to me. It's not promised to anyone? Because she'd take it in a second. Well, Manny wanted it for his brother, but he got deported. ¿Cómo que deported? Eso fue un pequeño misunderstanding con el Departamento de Inmigración. What's the difference? It's true. So it's okay? I could just tell her she could have it? Sure, sure. She's getting a bargain, too. It's only $400 a month. $400? Tú estás loco. Eso vale mucho más. Eso está regalado. Okay. Oye, el dueño te va a matar. Okay. So it's obvious here that, you know, Jerry, I guess he did have the right intentions for Elaine. And had the apartment not been right next to his, it would have been fine. I guess her, or, or her, was it her being in the same building or her just being so close that you think was the real issue? Yeah, being in the same building, I could probably deal with that. I think the fact that she was right above, yeah, that there was not a, I, mean, I think a couple of floors between them probably would have made a, a bit of difference. I think you still had the issue with her living there, but the fact that she was closer just really made it obvious. Like, oh, she, when she said the word, we're going to be neighbours, it's like, oh yeah, like she's right mm. there. So being in the same building might not have hit him so fast, but the fact that she was right above him, Absolutely, because yeah, I mean, he's he's. Ve- I think he sounds genuinely keen to do the right thing by Elaine. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. when he when he first hears about the apartment, he's like, oh, Elaine needs an apartment. Although that could just be you've just been talking about something a few minutes beforehand. It's like it's kind of still at the front of your mind. So it's like, oh yeah, no, 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 yeah, let's get it. I've made the connection between those two things. Then it suddenly dawns on you, oh wait a minute, ramifications. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like acting before thinking. But it's sort of uh, what I appreciated was that there's been various episodes up to this point where Elaine's been looking for an apartment, and she she's mentioned numerous times how she wants to get out from her, get away from her current roommate because she's the, you know she's the actress, the struggling actress. That's right. Yeah. 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 So um, so they're just sort of keeping that little mini arc for her character around. But yeah, it's um, he had the right intentions, but it's just. The way he walked in, it's obvious that he had the right intention. When he walks in, he's sort of bragging about it. I'm not sure whether you should sit or stand up. It was just almost like <laughs> smug about it. It was just I thought Jerry acted that scene very, very well. I lo- I love that whole bit. I mean that. Uh, yeah, I mean once they've oh we'll we'll get to that in a moment once we finish talking about the whole oh well we're kind of done with that aren't we the the bit in the hallway with Harold and Manny and all that yeah they're back yeah, in yeah. the apartment now. So um, no, I I love that whole scene uh, when he's when he comes back in. He's all kind of smug and. You know, proud of himself, and you know Elaine's so excited. I mean, yeah, that, Jerry's sort of teasing. I mean, it, I've, I've you know talked 
<laughs> probably far too much about my Julia Louis Dreyfus crush, but she's so captivating in this uh, in this scene where she's trying to get it out of it. Why are you so happy about it? and all this kind of stuff? And I think this is the first time we get the actual the first. It's the first get out, I believe, as well. Yeah, the, the, the first chest push. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Now I don't, I'm trying to remember if the chest push was in there and she added get out, or get out was in there and she added the chest push. But uh, I feel I feel like it would have been she added the chest chest push. I, I think she like, added that, the push. Yeah, yeah that's what that would make more sense. But it was also one of the first times we get them being excited that somebody has been either injured or dead. Like she's yeah. dead, she's dead. <laughs> I know yeah, they're so happy about this poor old lady, Mrs. Hun, uh, Hun Walker or whatever her name is. Yeah, Hun Walker. Yes, um, and this is where they mentioned she's going to be here all the time. And Jerry goes, "Oh, wait a minute, I've made a terrible mistake." The problem with talking is that nobody stops you from saying the wrong thing. I think life would be a lot better if it was like you're always making a movie. You mess up, somebody just walks on the set and stops the whole shot. You know what I mean? Think of the things you wish you could take back. You're out somewhere with people. Gee, you look pregnant. Are you? God, 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 God. That's not going to work at all. Walk out the door, come back in. Let's take this whole scene again. People, think about what you're saying. We're now at the front of Monks. Um, George has just left. I thought, I never sort of, it never sort of dawned on me. There would be times when these characters in the real world would just go to Monks by themselves to have a coffee. You know, it's just, yeah. I just thought it was odd. George just leaving by himself. I was like, oh, yeah, but I guess that would happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Jerry is telling George all about how Elaine's moving in directly above him. And this is where we get a discussion about who's the bigger idiot. My censoring system broke down. You know that little guy in your head who watches everything you say, make sure you don't make a mistake? He went for a cup of coffee. And in that second, ruined my life. My sensor quit two years ago. Checked into a clinic, emotionally exhausted. <laughs> Also, really dig the uh, the home bed advantage discussion. You've lost the home bed advantage. I need the home bed advantage. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, look, that that line got me thinking. Before we do, I just wanted to say one little bit that I loved is when you know, George is saying, "I just came out. I don't want to go back in." <laughs> you know, he finally decides to. And there's that woman in the window. He just sort of gestures like, "Yeah, what are you going to do?" <laughs> She's like, "I don't even know what you're talking about, man." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but She's like, who who is this guy? Why is he looking at me? <laughs> true. Now, I mean. Hmm. Yeah, I'm curious about the home bed advantage. I mean, I don't want to sort of get into to too much detail. I'm not sure how if listeners are um, <laughs> keen to hear that about you and I. I'm not sure it exists. I mean, look, I've um, invited people back to mine, and I've also, I've let's say, I've done home and away. I've had a home and away, a full home and away round when it comes to um, yes, romantic and intimate encounters. Well, it's in our team's theme song, "At Home or Far Away." <laughs> from dawn to dark um, <laughs> um and look i like to think if i quitted myself well on on both occasions like oh yeah come come on back to mine or hey let's go to yours and mm, I, f- yeah. I, f- I feel like i perform better sometimes when it's not the usual place because it's like it adds an element of surprise <laughs> <laughs> true yeah <laughs> All right, let's so, not talk about this anymore. Yeah, we'll get in trouble. We'll get in trouble from our lovely wives and, and partners. <laughs> so, uh, George, this is what he said. Yeah, so George doesn't want to go back into monks, he does. Um, Jerry's talking about how his, his sensory system broke down. Um, George says, mine's already just quit. Yeah. So, they're, coming, they're trying to think of ways that Elaine might not want to move in. So, we've got the, the shower head and whatnot, which she mentions later on. And then they start judging this woman feeding a baby. And I don't know, in this moment, I just sort of thought, this is... The epitome of Seinfeld. People without kids judging people 
looking after kids. You know, it's True. like you have zero experience in the field of raising a child, but yet you're willing to judge this woman for what she's doing. Absolutely. But it's it's a very Seinfeld moment. It also feels like a bit of sort of, sort of um, connective storytelling tissue. It's like, how, how are you going um, to get to start talking about this, uh, this B plot or this C plot with George wanting to use a wedding ring to see if he can pick up women or whatever. So I was like, eh. okay, how do we get him talking about kids? Oh, there's a woman feeding a child something terrible. Let's make fun of her. And then George's like, eh, I might like kids. And yes. then they, yeah. So it's a obvious but neat little segue. It's the bridge to the chorus. It's the bridge to the chorus. Very well put, Dando. So yeah, George mentions that his friend has the, the, the wedding ring. And uh, it's, <laughs> I just love George's schemes. They're the best, aren't they? <laughs> they're, te- they're terrible but they're there's so much fun to watch but they're so terrible because yeah i think you it's easy to imagine yourself you you putting yourself in that kind of scenario and just imagining everything go wrong and then then this person does it for you i just love the way jason alexander acts these scenes when george has sort of said something hasn't dawned on him that this could be a scheme and then the the person in the discussion in this in this scenario it's jerry says what if you just do this? And it's like, oh, oh, oh wait a minute. Ooh. Ooh, that is an idea. And just the, the expressions that he has for George in those moments is just priceless. I just absolutely love it. Yeah. And so Jerry suggests that he borrows Kramer's father's wedding ring. So he does. So Kramer suggests, you know, you don't need to. Kramer is like, this is the thing. He's a wacky, and as Jerry calls him in this, he's a pod, right? But he is such a supportive person, Kramer. Like, in here with this moment with George, he's like, you don't need it. You're a good-looking guy. Just get some plugs. Like, he's like, you don't need to wear this. You, you can go get girls the way you look now. Like, I'm thinking, as annoying as Kramer would be to have in your life, it would also be good to have someone that's supportive in your life as well. He's very chaotic, but he is very positive. You're right. I mean, I, I don't think he sees the downside in a lot of things. No, he sees the, he sees the good in everybody, doesn't he? Yeah, even though he is sort of... Um yeah, blunt to a fault. It's like, yeah, good-looking guy. Get some plugs or a piece. <laughs> I mean, look, as a bald man, I'm I, I'm with George. Saying, no, I'm not doing that. Now, whether George is doing it because it's too much work or too much effort or whatever, it's like, nah. <laughs> I personally went, no, I'm I'm going to go bald with some dignity. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Can you recall the moment you went, oh, shit, I'm basically bald? Like, like it's, it's happening. Can you recall the moment that happened? Um, I can recall, you know, having a bit of sort of, having inroads at the front. And I was like, eh, look, that's not too bad. Because, I mean, I was, <laughs> I've mentioned before I was a huge Bruce Willis fan. And, like, eh, I could deal with a receding hairline if I looked a bit like Bruce in Moonlighting or whatever, or in Die Hard. But then one day I was in in an, um, an elevator, and it was one of those wholly mirrored ones. Yeah, yeah. And I could see the, uh, the back of my head. It's like, oh, holy shit, I've got a bald spot back there. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, oh, no, I've got a little recession at the front. That's fine. No worries at all. But then yeah, one day it's like... Oh no, it's going to the back as well. <laughs> so did, at, at that point, did you think, how can I salvage this? Or was it a case of, uh, just shave it all off? Um, I didn't I didn't shave it all off for a while. I mean, I sort of, I did that whole denial thing where it's like, I mean, I wasn't doing the total comb over or anything like that, but I was yeah. definitely making the most of what I had left. <laughs> and I did that, for, I mean, it didn't all sort of fall out at once. I mean, it was sort of a gradual thinning and all that over the course of... Uh, four or five years and i think yeah by the time it was really thin i was just like i'll just keep it really 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 short was it the fear of if i shave it off now it will never come back Hmm. i mean i remember shaving it once when i was like maybe 
24 or 25 or so. And I did, actually okay. didn't mean to have it as short as I did. But uh, but I did. And I still had enough hair that it looked a bit silly. And I was un- and I was unused to that whole look as well. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I can live with this. But, you know, it's like shaving your face after you've had a beard for a while. It's like, oh, my God, is that what I look like? And uh, <laughs> why, why have I got no chin and all that kind of stuff? Uh, but you get used to it after like maybe a day or so or two days. And it took me, yeah. It didn't take me too long to get used to that then either. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, the lovely Louise has said, no, I, I can't really. I mean, she's seen pictures of me with hair. But she goes, eh, no, I think that I think without it suits you. And I've, I've been fortunate that I've had a few people who have said that. It's like, yeah, it actually it kind of works on you, having no hair. And I'm like, eh, okay. uh, you're, you're a good-looking guy. What do you need hair for? <laughs> hey, you're a good-looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so George is opposed to the plugs despite Kramer's demands or pleads. Um, we then overhear Harold and Manny fighting again. Boys, boys. Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I just love, well, they're fighting over the little sponge. You know, there's no absorbency in that yes, tiny yes. sponge. I think, I think I'm with Harold on that point. That's a tiny sponge. That's it's useless. way too small, yes. By the way, Jerry is wearing probably the, <laughs> the most Jerry outfit and the most 90s outfit. What was it in that point? I can't recall. Oh, it's like some mock turtleneck deal. I think it's in like a burnt orange color, jeans and sneakers. It's oh, a, wow. It's a very, it's a very Jerry outfit. <laughs> yes, yes, some great. So, like that's the thing about Seinfeld. You watch it, and it just reminds you of the '90s, just purely by the what they're wearing. Oh, absolutely. He's wearing something later in the episode, which I think is just like a white shirt, jeans, and sneakers. I'm like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I can, I can roll with that. I'll, I'll probably wear that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this one was kind of like, oh, no, this is very 91. So they say, unfortunately, Elaine can't have the apartment because somebody's offered $5,000 for it. And then we get uh, Manny saying, you know, but if your friend can come up with the money, then we will give it to Elaine. And Jerry says mm. he's out. He walks into his apartment. He's all happy. Everything happens for a reason. Religion, my friend, is what's happened to me. <laughs> he thinks he's gotten off scot-free. He's trying to tell George, this is it. You know, Elaine's going to think they've done something good for her. And then, unfortunately, this good thing, which would have annoyed me, isn't going to happen, but she doesn't know that. So it's just a case of, I've tried to do a good deed for her, and that's all that, that's all that matters. And it's not going to affect me at all. All right. This is going to require some great acting, though. I have to pretend I'm disappointed. So you're going to see me really being a phony now. I hope you can take this. Maybe you should go in the other room. Are you kidding? I lie every second of the day. My whole life is a sham. Because you know I love Elaine. Of course you do. But you know, not in the building. I did like that. We mentioned at the start of the podcast how he's willing here to acknowledge, I'm going to be a shit person here. So oh, p- yeah. please don't judge me for it. And George is like, mate, I've taught you all that you know. <laughs> It's like, a, I lie every second of the day. My whole life is a sham. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great life. Oh, so good. So Elaine enters and she's just a state. You, you're right. She's just so great in this whole episode, isn't she? The, just the way she acts mm. and everything. So fantastic. She's so happy. What is she singing again? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning from, yeah, from, uh, from Singing in the Rain. Yes. She's just, um, she's so, so happy. Even as she enters, turning around, no, I'll be seeing you. <laughs> and at that moment... George leaves because <laughs> he knows what's about to go down. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, he breaks the news to her. She is so disappointed. But then I've got here, this was very predictable that you knew this was going to happen, but that didn't affect how funny it was. Kramer walking in saying, Jerry can lend you the money. He's got the money. <laughs> and then putting Jerry in that shit situation of, I was almost out. I don't want to give her the money, but now I can't not offer her the money because mm. as Kramer says, I can afford it. But $5,000 oh, to lend yeah. to somebody is still a lot of money. 
He is truly chaotic here, Kramer. It's like, he doesn't care. What's there to think about? Five grand's an awful lot to borrow. This is the thing. Jerry must be loaded because they never really acknowledge it, but he, you know, he'll buy utensils. Kramer will use some scratches back. He'll throw them out. He'll buy jackets and then it doesn't matter that they're worth a $1,000. They get ruined. What of it? He can afford mm. to lend Elaine five thousand dollars. He must be on a pretty good wicket. Yeah, that it's a it's a huge amount. I mean, I'm trying to think of the the most that I've ever borrowed off. I mean, <laughs> I borrowed a sizable amount off uh, of family <laughs> off a family member, off a friend or off an acquaintance. I think the most I ever borrowed was maybe two thousand. Two thousand, still a lot of money. Yeah. It is, yeah. I mean, and this was a this was a a, a while ago as well when two thousand dollars was actually a lot of money. Um, was, that, was that to buy a um, a DVD player? It was, yeah. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, I mean, I remember drawing up not a not a legal contract. We didn't go to a lawyer or anything, but I yeah you know, drew up sort of <laughs> unofficial paperwork to say I have borrowed this amount of you. I will pay you back, <laughs> and uh, you know, thinking that this would sort of <laughs> make things straight. And uh, of course, I did pay it back. To the show's credit, I mean, uh, I think even Elaine recognised, like, this is going to take me a while to pay it back. This will take a few years. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a probably long right. time to pay something back, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I could learn. It depends what it is. I guess these guys are, like, you know, more than just normal friends. They're, like, best, best, best friends. They're even yeah, ex-partners. But still, $5,000 is a lot of money. <laughs> it is. To, to, but purely just so someone can move into an apartment. You know, like, to me, I'm just like... If someone said to me, you got to pay five grand just to be able to get into the door, I'd be like, no Well, way. that's the thing. Is that, is that five grand just a bribe to get the lease? Do yes. It's, a, get- it's just to be able to get the keys in your hand and then, then start yes. paying rent. I'm like, what is going on here? So that's the thing. I mean, they're not taking that five grand off. <laughs> okay, we'll take $50 off the rent for the first hundred weeks or whatever. <laughs> it's like, no, I think that's just a bribe. Oh, God. it's a New York real estate's a blood sport. It, must, it obviously must happen, though. I think it must. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so Jerry then yells at Kramer. <laughs> Kramer's response here, what would you lend her the $5,000 for? <laughs> I, did lo- I did love Jerry's just, you know, being very rational. You see, you're not normal. Yeah. You're a pod. <laughs> I am a human being. I sometimes feel awkward. Here's the thing though, and I wanted to get to this before, but I thought we'd wait to now. So this whole, this whole discussion about how, you know, you're a pod, you don't feel things, but it's like, well, Kramer just wants the best for everybody. But yeah. what our idea of normal isn't that. You know, if we see someone who's always happy, we always think, what are, what are they? What's their game? Mm. What's up with them? What, are they on drugs <laughs> yeah. or something? It's like, how can they possibly be happy all the time? You know, it's, like, it's a sad world we live in. <laughs> well, true. But it's, it's also kind of connected to what uh, Jerry and George were talking about earlier with their editor or their censor or whatever. I don't think Kramer actually has that at all. I, th- I don't think he sort of edits anything that uh, or filters anything that uh, goes from his brain uh, out through his mouth. No, he just lives in the moment. Yeah, very much so. You watch Seinfeld, though. He lives the most enjoyable life out of all the characters because he doesn't care. Mm. He's, oh, just, yeah. he's just living life, man. <laughs> not, not burdened by neuroses or anything like that. Uh, Elaine enters. I'm going to take it. George turns around and leaves again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did like that. I mean... It feels it feels very much like a stage play that that whole scene it really as well. Did, I mean, a lot it? of yeah. a lot of Seinfeld a lot of Seinfeld does, but that bit in particular, just the whole sort of come in, er, go out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's just a nice little nice little button on the scene. You can imagine there's like the it's like end of Act One. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's the way I viewed it, and yeah, really enjoyed it. They're now at the New York Marathon party. Hi, Lee. Oh, hi, Roxanne. Thank you. 
nice to be here. These are my friends. This is George. George? And this is Jerry. Hi. Jerry's the one who got me my new apartment. <gasps> so you're Elaine's hero. Yes, it's my life's work. <laughs> there are so few true heroes left in this world. The point is that Joe's a hero through Elaine's eyes. And I thought they're going to go somewhere with this where she says, you know, oh, you're the hero. And Elaine sort of like looks at Jerry almost like stargazing. And I was like, mm. is she going to fall for Jerry again as a result of this? But they didn't really go anywhere with it. Just, do you know the moment I'm talking about? There was a moment where she's just sort of staring oh, yeah. at him. And I was just like, oh, maybe they're going to, maybe she's going to be infatuated with him again. But anyway, um, she's just over the moon that she, that he got to the apartment. But George has got the wedding ring on and he's um, going to use it to try and hit on women. So the first one is the Rita from Madison Square Garden. Four tickets for mm. every sporting event ever or concert. Holy shit, man. That's a good deal. <laughs> it's not bad, is it? But, uh, but it's basically, yeah, there's bragging about Jerry to all the different friends. Just, and it's almost like they're not meaning to, but they're rubbing it into Elaine, uh, into Jerry. You know, Elaine's going to be there all the time. She's going to always be over. It's going to be yeah. great. You could share keys. You know, she's going to be there all the time. George is there. <laughs> George explained how he's a matador. It just got me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just, I don't see the big deal about being a matador. <laughs> I mean, the bull charges, you move the cape, what's so hot? <laughs> so, uh, are you really married? Because I've actually heard of single guys who wear wedding bands to attract women. <laughs> <laughs> you would have to be a real loser to try something like that. That's too bad, because I really have a thing for bald guys with glasses... Here's the thing, like, this scheme you've got going, George, is it just, like, set up to fail? Because how can you ever... Uh, no one's going to want to sleep... No no decent person's going to want to sleep with a married man, right? So he's, he's using it to try to... <laughs> I don't think to, George is that concerned about decency. <laughs> but the, th the thing is, though, it's like he's using it to... Cause, because women find, you know, supposedly women find men with wedding rings attractive, but it's like they find them attractive, but it's like they're not going to go that extra step because you're married. That's true, yeah. The, the majority of women, anyway. <laughs> so, I just don't see how this scheme was ever going to work. Yeah, no, there's a there's a lot of sort of, not tricky morality at play here, but yeah, I mean, there are there's an upside and a downside. It's like, yes, you're being flirted with, but as you said, it's like, eh, I don't think they're ever really going to go through with it. I think a woman will happily flirt with a with a married man because they, because they know it's not going to go any further. Or, you know, uh, if you're a man who's got a wedding ring on and you're being flirted with, and you decide to sort of actually go through with that, you're going to end up sleeping with a woman who'll sleep with a married man. Yeah. How do you feel about that? <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so everyone's now watching the runners because they're coming past the apartment. And this is, gives uh, the viewers a moment for Elaine and Jerry to be uh, together quietly. <laughs> Elaine gives Jerry an out, but he doesn't take it, does he? Mm, no, he does not. Then George is uh, talking to a woman who is willing to have multiple partners and she just leaves. He, he comes going, I'm not married. I'm not married. I'm sorry. And she, <laughs> and she just leaves. So then we get the, uh, the hilarious discussion. One of the most iconic discussions between Jerry and George. This is an idiot. Is that right? I just threw away a lifetime of guilt-free sex and floor seats for every sporting event in Madison Square Garden. So please, a little respect. For I am Costanza, Lord of the Idiots. You're all winners! But suddenly a new contender has emerged. I, I 
really love that you're all winners. We have a new contender because it reminds me of when I was discussing with um, with Elliot's young cousin. He was telling me how he plays Auskick football here, mm. and there are no like they don't keep score because it's not fair for the kids to lose, win or lose. If a kid kicks a goal, they're not allowed to celebrate because it makes the other kids feel bad. I'm like, what is happening to the world? Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> you can't celebrate success? Come on, guys. <laughs> Where's the motivation to actually do well? Yes, exactly right. <laughs> if everyone's a winner, then why bother trying in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know you've come second, yeah, what's going to motivate you to try and come first next time? <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> so Jerry's on the phone in his apartment to George. And it's clear that George can't get Kramer's father's ring off, which I just thought was hilarious. That, that was going to be my other trivia question. What does Jerry recommend that he, uh, George use to get the ring off? What does he recommend? I think he says, have you tried soap? Axle grease? <laughs> <laughs> I've had one of those moments where I couldn't get my wedding ring off. I mean, I mean not that I want to take it off. But Why would you want to, Brandon? When we're at work <laughs> at Ford, we're de- uh, working with heavy machinery and... You weren't allowed to wear a ring because your ring can get caught in things and rip your fingers off. Oh, okay. But I'm just like, I can't get it off. They're like, mate, take your wedding ring off. I'm like, I can't. They're like, we know you're just trying to get out of work. Just take your ring off. I'm like, I actually can't. (laughs) Well, it's all taken care of. Everything's cool. What? What's cool? Elaine? What are you talking about? I just found a guy who's willing to pay $10,000 for the apartment. You what? Get out! 10000 Cash! Who, who would pay that much? Yeah, he's in the music business. Elaine would never borrow that much money. Kramer, my God, man. This is beautiful. I think I'm in the clear here. Elaine's not moving in. I don't have to confront her. She has no idea I never wanted her to move in. I'm golden. Well, occasionally I, I like to help the humans. <laughs> Then it cuts to a band playing upstairs very, very loudly. Uh, Elaine says, you know, if this was me, I would have been as quiet as a mouse. And Kramer walks in enjoying the music. Oh, yeah, I love what they, I love the next one they play. So Kramer's just, yeah. he's, he's loving it. Um, so Jerry, is, <laughs> it hasn't worked out for Jerry at all anyway, in the end. We now get some stand-up about having to tell your neighbors to be quiet. And we get the, the discussion around cinema shushing, which I relate to wholeheartedly because people talking in the movies is a big pet peeve of mine, even during the trailers. Oh, God, yeah. During the ads is fine. During the trailers is not on. No. During the movie is strictly forbidden. Yeah. Uh, and I, have you ever told someone to shush in the cinema? I mean, yeah, I, 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 I have I, numerous times, but... Oh, yeah. I, I growled at some kid. I feel I feel bad about this this day. It was during Batman Forever or something. Um, and uh, So you would have been, what, 30-ish? Oh, yeah. I was around... I was in my mid-20s. Mid-20s, yeah. <laughs> and this kid was probably like, you know, 12 or something. <laughs> But, you know, he just kept trying to, like, answer the Riddler's riddles all the time uh. or something, but doing it really quite loudly. And by you know, the third or fourth, I was just like, shut the fuck up, kid. <laughs> and then I instantly felt bad because, you know, I was twice his kid's age and probably twice his size. <laughs> like, oh, this kid's probably traumatized by some growly fuck telling him to shut up during Batman Forever. What kind of Grinch am I? You just made a lot of people's lives better going forward because he won't do it again, most likely, which means that no one, to, no one will have to experience what you experienced. No one will have their Batman Forever ruined by this kid ever again. Quite possibly, yeah. But something that was funny when I was uh, working as a reviewer because he'd have press screenings for movies and there was sort of a code of etiquette among 
among the reviewers during during these screenings that you know you you certainly you certainly wouldn't talk you wouldn't you know use your phone or anything like that but occasionally there'd be some rookie would come in and um you know they'd either sort of be a bit demonstrative with their love oh i really get that joke oh I'm, i've got that one or you know maybe make notes on their phone or whatever and there'd be some old school reviewer it was usually i it was this guy from the age i won't name his name but it yeah, was a bit of a legend actually because he's just like you don't want to get on the bad side of name redacted but um occasionally yeah some rookie would have their phone out or whatever and you'd just hear this turn that off <laughs> so, so it's like once he's spoken shit's getting oh real. yeah Oh yeah, it's like it's like Odin <laughs> or fucking Zeus. <laughs> like, Turn that off. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. That's you schooled, man. <laughs> my, my, my my thing is though, as soon as you said they pull their phones out, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Professional reviewers are pulling their phones out to take notes in the middle of a movie. Yeah, I think I think that's it's newbies who do that. <laughs> what? what? Why? What? What is wrong with them? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. But, you know, if they did it once, they won't do it again. <laughs> Turn that off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, but the, that was the other thing about... It still happens to this day, though. I mean, there are some reviewers who just don't have an inside voice. Usually, sometimes, we're, you know, when we're reviewing, we'll be seeing these preview screenings in an actual cinema, but not a large one. And, you know, in the lead-up, they'll be sort of talking about, oh, I saw such and such last week. Oh, terrible. Or sort of like... Motherfucker, if I wanted to review, I'd read your damn newspaper or check out your blog. <laughs> you know, use your inside voice. You're the worst. Um, so, Some people just uh, have no idea how to use an inside voice. They just don't have one at all. They most certainly do not. <laughs> and it's usually the people who have the worst opinions who do that as well. But, uh, yes, that's the end of the episode. All in all, I think the apartment was, yeah, uh, living up to the bill of the show about nothing. Not a great deal happening, but still... Really, really enjoyable. Every character sort of had their little moments. Um, yeah, a good sort of blend of everything. It was good for everyone this episode, wasn't it? Yeah, you had good Kramer. You had in very enjoyable Elaine. Terrific dynamic between Jerry and George, and uh, both of those two gentlemen uh, had their uh, had their plot line. So it was yeah. I, I enjoyed the apartment very much. I think we enjoyed it so much we have spent close to an hour discussing it. Double the double the running time of the episode. Almost triple the running time of the episode. <laughs> the next week, we're going to be discussing the episode, The Statue. So, guys, if you have some, any questions for the episode, The Statue, send them through to TalkingSeinfeld at gmail.com right now. Mailbag for this week, Mr. Dave's got a couple of questions. TalkingSeinfeld at gmail.com. Because the mail never stops. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. There's never a let up. It's relentless. This one's here from Sean Coma. He says, have you ever pretended to be something that you're not in order to attract someone from the other sex? <laughs> and that my answer is all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but what would you, realistically though, what would you, have you ever actually said you got a, a, a different position or you've, you've sort of reworded? I mean, you had a cool job though. You know, I work for the paper and I review movies. That's a fucking cool job, in my opinion anyway. So you wouldn't have, oh. you, you've had no reason to lie about your occupation. I think when I was writing a column for like a street paper or something, I I tried to sweet talk some woman by saying that I was going to name check her in my in my next column or something. Oh um, man! I did end up going home with her, so it did work. Actually. Oh, <laughs> although that that may have been the that that may have been the alcohol. I I mean I, I won't lie. I have a couple of times when I used to work in radio. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I work in radio. I can um get tickets to this. I can get tickets to that. And it's kind of like how I try to. It's not how I hit on Nicola, but Nicola's like, what do you do? And I was like, oh, 
I'm on radio. She's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, no, I, I, I am. She's like, yeah, I don't believe you. And I'm like, I actually have the logo for our show tattooed on my ass because we lost a bet or I lost a bet. And she was like, drop your pants and show me. And I'm like, hmm, do I want to go home with this girl that is willing for me to drop my pants right here in the street? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> She's a keeper. <laughs> she was a keeper indeed. All right, so don't forget, guys, send your questions through for the statue or any Seinfeld-related questions to talkingseinfeld at gmail.com. Like I said, next week is the statue. Looking forward to reviewing that one. Thank you, guys, for checking out our review of the apartment. Thank you for checking out Talking Seinfeld. Don't forget, if you want to get this show much earlier, we're about four weeks ahead on the Four Finger Discount Patreon page. Just going to go to the link in the description of this podcast or this patreon.com slash Four Finger Discount. You get this show early. You get Four Finger Discount early. You get access into the Four Finger Discount Facebook group. Uh, you get Take Like a Mandalorian early. You get you get so much more just by being, for minimum, a $1 plus patron at patreon.com slash Four Finger Discount. That's the first Talking Sci-Fi of 2021. Mr. Davis, any final words for our incredible listeners? Guy didn't have his wig on. Horrifying. <laughs>